Hello and welcome back to Hexgrid Hangouts. This week I am joined by Freelance Paizo Publisher. No, no. I'm joined by Paizo Freelancer Alex Ogunas. Thank you uh, for joining me. Hi, thank you uh, for having me. I appreciate it. We recorded this really on like last minute notice, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> like, you know, I'll give him a couple days, you know, if he wants to, you know, like from the start like i'm familiar with your work uh, i'm a i'm a fan of your work but rarely you know i see uh well so let's let's get some bare essentials so you're a freelancer for paizo uh, uh right. today yes, you're here to talk uh a, a, a good deal about your latest kickstarter for starfarer species reforged a starfinder compatible project Yep, that's right. I do a lot of stuff mm -hmm. for Starfinder and sometimes Pathfinder 2nd Edition, but mostly Starfinder nowadays. Uh, I am part of the No Direction Network. Wow. I'm the uh, one of the co yeah, I'm one of the co-hosts for uh, No Direction Beyond, which is No Direction Starfinder news reviews and interviews podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, I am an occasional actual play personality on No Direction shows. Uh, I played uh, Shivi in Stellar, which was our actual play of the first book of Against the Aeon Throne. And I'm in a couple other upcoming projects. And I also own Everybody Games, which is a third-party uh, publishing company that specializes in third-party products for Starfinder, Pathfinder. I dabble a little bit in 5th edition D&D too, but mostly it's Starfinder that I'm working on these days. Nice. Uh, yeah, as uh, as uh, one of the homebrew Starfinder adventure play, uh, or actual play podcasts, like I, I eat up any homebrew content I can. And uh, today, uh, the species reforged launched you're already 60 percent of the way there and i saw the tweets i'm like you know what i don't do this i'm gonna shoot my shot i'm gonna ask if you got if anyone from your uh, group wants to uh, meet up and chat so uh I i'd love to chat more about that but a little more about you so because this is ostensibly a starfinder podcast we do dabble with other things rarely uh tell me a little bit about your uh involvement uh, playing, getting into, and then cr content creating for this system. Oh my, uh, I've done a lot for Starfinder. Um, so I am one of the three freelancers who are credited in the Starfinder core rulebook. Um, not many people know this, but the Starfinder core rulebook uh, needed a lot of help because while the Starfinder core rulebook was being in development, uh, Paizo was working on something else that was really big. We didn't know this at the time, but it was second edition Pathfinder. So like those two projects were happening at the same time, which meant you didn't have all of the designers who normally do all of the design projects available to do Starfinder. So they needed to pull in some freelancers to help uh, myself Amber uh, Stewart and uh, Thurston Hillman, uh, Thurston who oh, became wow. a, 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 yeah, an employee of Paizo were the three who were pick, picked. And all three of us are rather prolific in our own ways. Uh, Thurston obviously is Thurston. He was a uh, organized play juggernaut. Uh, everybody knew who he was even before he took the Paizo job mm -hmm. uh, as the Starfinder organized play developer which was a role that he got partially because of his work on the core rule book. And then 
Uh, Amber is just incredibly talented. Uh, she does so many of the uh, different adventure path volumes for Pathfinder that it makes my head spin. <laughs> and then there's me. <laughs> and I was at that t- point in time in my career, I was the crunch guy. Ah. I was in like, I literally was in an entire year of Pathfinder player companions. <laughs> if you've ever heard of that line, it was like the line that added all the crunchy uh, extra goodness to the different classes. Yeah. <laughs> like um, some of the, some of the ones I was really well known for was like, uh, I'm, I'm the, the crazy person who wrote the, uh, advanced weapon trainings in weapon master's handbook i did armor advanced armor trainings in armor master's handbook um i out i outlined the majority of blood of the beast that player companion is my baby mm-hmm. uh that because that 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 book like got assigned to owen and then they were like oh actually we want you to be uh the uh development lead on starfinder uh, and uh, so he's like, well, I can't tell anybody about this, but I need someone I can trust to like take over heavy sections of this book and psych uh, psychic anthology. Alex, do oh, this. Wow. You, you like Kitsune? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you like Kitsune? Here, just just do this. Write whatever you want. We'll figure. We'll make it work. I'm like, all right, I'll write whatever I want. <laughs> That'll be good. And so like, there's a lot of things in that book that I'm like, yes, that I hear people talk about all the time. I, I... Um, I don't know how. No, no, you're good. Keep going. Good. No, Sorry. no, no. I was gonna say I uh, in uh, Pathfinder One E homebrew podcast I play. Uh, it's it's still it's still releasing episodes, but we're no longer recording because the the, the show has ended. The story has ended. Uh-huh. We've got a uh, that one of my players, Akim, in this pod is the GM and edits that one, and I play a side character who is a Kitsune paladin of. Uh, Abadar, and I'm like, you know, I'm I'm familiar with Kitsune. I played one in a little bit of uh, Society, and, yeah. and I was like, okay, cool. I want to I want to play a fox man. I want to be this guy, and just the sheer dearth of options. I'm like, oh my god, I I can't I can't bring all of this you know to bear, but I will like pick and choose like and make something real fun. So yeah, I'm I'm. Uh, un, uh, unknowingly uh, quite familiar with your work there. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm most proud of from Blood of the Beast is uh, Pathfinder First Edition has this rule system that I'm sure you're familiar with called um, the alternate, uh, the, 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 gosh, what is it? The alternate favorite yes. class bonuses. And uh, my favorite thing for that is like, it always, one of, it, it drives me crazy how hard it is to just get nine tails <laughs> yeah. in that game. I just want to, I just want yep. my tails and I don't even want them on every character, just like some yeah. of them. And so one of, one of my solutions to try to help as many characters as I could, because, you know, when they assign you these player companions, they give you like kind of a rough outline of what they wanted. And one of the things they told me is they were like, you can do pretty much whatever you want, but we don't want you to have more than this many words of favored class bonuses. Oh. And I respect mm-hmm. that because like, that's not an exciting thing. Yeah. <laughs> like no, nobody goes, Oh, favorite class bonuses. This is great. And so I was like, wait a minute. I wonder if they'll let me cheat. And so like, that's why Kitsune are the only race in Pathfinder first edition that have uh, a favorite class bonus that every class can take. And that's the ability to uh, put six points into it to get a free magical tail <laughs> feat. Uh, you know, cause I, I did that a, a lot when I was working with Owen on the player companion, I was like, here's a crazy idea that would never make it into a core rule book. Let's see if someone will let me publish this. And then like, 
with Owen, the answer was often yes. Yeah. Yes, you can do yeah. that. Uh, so some of my my wackier work comes from the player companion line. Um, and then, so because I had all that work and Owen was the lead designer, he was like, I need somebody who knows mechanics and can do interesting mechanics to help us on Starfinder. Yeah. And so they brought me onto the core rulebook uh, where I was assigned equipment. Now, oh, that man. doesn't mean like technology. Yeah, that doesn't mean technological items. I wrote every piece of equipment in the core rulebook except for weapons, mm-hmm. armor, uh, upgrades, and fusions to both of those things. So I didn't do any armor upgrades or armor fusions. I didn't do computers or vehicles. And I feel like there's something else I didn't do. And I'm sure I'll remember it later. But like any technological items, magic items, hybrid items, personal items. Yep. All of that, that was that was all like what I wrote. And there were some things that they were like, we know that we want X to work like Y. Like uh, a good example is they already had their math for the healing serums and the mnemonic editors done. So they were just like for those, they were like, here, just put these. This doesn't count to your, towards your word count. Enjoy. And uh, for everything else, it was me going, what, what type of personal items do people want in a star in a space yep. game? That that was a very interesting conversation because the other thing that became very apparent to me is that my background on what science fantasy is, is very different from the architects of the Starfinder core rulebook. Okay. Like when I sat down, Owen was like, Owen was like, you need to watch Star, uh, you need to watch Star Trek. I'd never seen anything but like the mm-hmm. movies. They're like, you need to watch... Uh, firefly you need to watch serenity and like these are a lot of things that people are like oh yeah you totally got to watch yep. them i'm like i like mobile suit gundam iron blooded <laughs> orphans also <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so <laughs> so like a lot of my influences for starfinder is like a lot of like the high octane anime mm-hmm. and i like that i'm not the only person who clearly feels that way because the adventure paths and the starfinder scenarios in starfinder yep. are just so out there and it's so good. They are. I was just about to ask. So uh, you come into this with, you know, your uh, not not preconceptions, but your your uh, preferences, and they say, "Hey, mm-hmm. you need to watch X, Y, Z." You know, these big tentpole things that are massive in science fantasy. Was there any sort of? Uh, and you know, I'm not here looking for dirt, but was there any like butting of heads where you were like try to sneak in your Gundam when they were like, "No, no, no, we want Malcolm Reynolds." You know, was there anything of that? Uh, no, because I wanted to get more work back. Okay. <laughs> I wanted there. to work, so I was like, <laughs> yep. so, so, so my thing was like, I, um, I actually did not watch most of that stuff. I would do like Wikipedia art- yeah. articles because the other thing <laughs> is like that book was on such a tight cool a, a deadline oh. just because of what it needed. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that book was on a very tight deadline. Um. When they brought us, I mean, like, so Paizo, when they're making a core rule book, and this actually isn't really just Paizo, this is kind of just industry best practices. Mm -hmm. If you're going to make your core rule book, you want to make it to your internal handbook. Like, you typically will sit down, come up with a style guide to figure out how you want everything to go. And you use that to develop the core rule book. So you have like this baseline of what your style should look like. And then you take that and you send it out to all your other freelancers. It's why it's so rare for freelancers to be in core rulebook products uh pathfinder second edition does not have any freelancers in the core rulebook neither does the first edition starfinder needed it just because of the timetable that it was put on and uh you know honestly they 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 waited until they knew that they absolutely could not get the book done without help to ask the three of us for help and i think that 
I mean, like, you know, it, I, I'm, I hope that doesn't sound bad because <laughs> I'm not trying to make it sound bad. It's just like the realities of what it's like in the industry sure. trying to get a project like that yeah. done. And uh, I don't blame them for that. I'm not saying like, oh, you should bring me on all your core rule books. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no, just like they, they needed help. They asked me, they trusted me enough to ask me for help. And I was like, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I want to be in a core rule book. Uh, it has the side effect that even if I don't, like if I'm not involved in writing a book, like if it's Starfinder compatible, my name is in it, which is kind of wild. Oh, nice. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, the, like, the, the curious happenstance of hey, we need this. You took you took the leap, and you know it it, it worked. It's worked out for everyone. Uh, Starfinder is a, uh, a a massive. I mean, I don't I don't. I'm not really big into the industry itself, so like it's mm -hmm. it's my bread and butter. Like it is. You know, I'm not a crunchy guy personally. I'm more the, the setting and, I mean, the equipment. I mean, you look at, you flip through the equipment like, this is everything I would need. Like, that stuff is 100% in my wheelhouse. Why it's my favorite game to play. I mean, I can't really speak to, you know, mechanics. Like, I, 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 I swallow the mechanics so I can savor the, the setting that I get to play in. And, uh, like, it's, it's, like, I, I've heard a couple other stories about how, you know, uh, Pathfinder 2E was like, okay, we need like all hands on deck kind of thing. And I, and I kind of heard some uh, things about, like, you know, Starfinders, like we brought in people, we got it done, went down to the wire to get it out by Gen Con, uh, I, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's just so cool how like, how scrappy even the creation of the game is. Cause when I play, I'm very much a Firefly person. I'm, uh, I, one of my players is gonna hate me for saying this i'm still working my way through like cowboy bebop for the first time like i have like all this lore and stuff in my head and to play the, like when i hear of just how uh unique the creation of the system was i'm like yeah this is this is science fantasy this is this is you know sci-fi as hell just you know <laughs> emergency power to the to the equipment apparently and they got you and you've You've clearly been with them uh, ever since, still churning out uh, content. Yeah, I um, since the core rulebook, I was involved in Pack Worlds. I oh. did all of the spells in Pack Worlds. Uh, I was in Alien Archive Two. Uh, I am the person who wrote Squaxes. So if you oh, ever want, okay. if you like Squaxes yeah. and the companion feat, that that is me. Uh, I also did go the Gorians, the the plant people yeah. that are from Pathfinder First Edition, and <laughs> this one is less impressive. I did herd animals, so like the Look, rules for all of the herd animals, I wrote the rules for them. I use herd <laughs> animals way more than I probably should, because like I'm I'm from the like thinking like you know, there's got to be wildlife, you know, there's got like any setting like I don't use them too much, but in planning, I'm like. Okay, here's this. Here's a civilization. Here's a settlement. What's their food source? And eight times out of ten, I go herd animals. Of course, some sort of herd animal. Of course, right? I mean, that's what you do when you go to an alien world. Is yeah, you you cultivate uh, a renewable food resource. And no, uh, herd animals and predators are are uh, amazing tools at my side. So you did the squawks, which I'm a fan of. So does that mean you had uh, <laughs> stuff to do with the squawks kind of zombie we see in alien archive four i believe no i don't think they wanted to ask me to kill my baby oh you know what that's <laughs> fair that that would have been quite evil of uh 
who's who's because I, I I've had uh, we've had Jason Tondro on the pod and he he affectionately calls mm-hmm. the Starfinder team the Star Chamber, which yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I just fucking love. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's a great name. And uh, so I uh, and Jake Jake is a treasure. I'm glad you've gotten to have him on. Oh, he's, he's great. Yeah, uh, he was uh, you know putting himself out there like, Oh, five for your dice coming out. You know, it's firefly. It's this and that. And I'm like, I, once again, I shot my shot and he made a joke about like, I can be pretty on a podcast. I'm like, I have a podcast. And he played, uh, just, uh, some wandering mystic. And then we had a good chat about, uh, what he does. And I became an instant fan of just his energy is infectious. I started listening to his star, star Trek podcast. Like, I became a little bit of a reply guy to uh, to him on social media, which I finally calmed down on. But now he is just just the, the, that energy that, and, and I mean this nicely, Jason, if you're listening, uh, that cantankerous older guy that's like, you know, when I hear him like going on a tear, like, and when he says, for Christ's sake, I'm like, oh man, he is in it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. I, I, I've interviewed him on No Direction Beyond okay. and uh, we've had a similar experience. He's really good. Uh, I very much enjoy him. Uh, I, honestly, the the Star Chamber are some of my favorite people at Paizo. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hope you get the chance to have like Jason Keeley and uh, Joe Pisini, yep. uh, Lou pa- uh, pa- I'm going to say his name wrong. Uh, uh, Palazar. I always say his name wrong. Okay. Yeah. They are all awesome. Mm-hmm. They are great. And uh, I recommend if you, if you ever get the chance to sit down with any of them, they're, Oh, John Compton too. Oh yeah. Uh, they're all wonderful. Yeah, I'm a, uh, John Compton is a, a staple of the Starfinder. Uh, it's not, it's not the quote unquote official Starfinder discord, but goddamn, uh, all the, uh, all the, all the devs that are in there and John Compton's constantly, uh, providing guidance and uh, a steady hand sometimes to some uh, frenetic situations, but yeah, they're, they're all you're all great, great people to have on. I just like you know, as my uh, imposter syndrome ebbs and flows, I uh, I get more and more brazen about who I dare ask to be on this little two bit production. Um, but yeah, yeah. You know I, what? The <laughs> thing the thing that you learn if you stick around with this enough is that pretty much everybody has imposter syndrome. Yeah. That's sort of the that's sort of the 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 trick of this trade. You know, you're talking about an industry that like there's no degree that you go to school for to prepare you to become a tabletop RPG designer, mm-hmm. to become a freelancer. You just kind of do it. Yeah. And because you just kind of do it, you never really quite feel like you're doing it right or the way you should do it. So <laughs> You know, you don't don't worry about it. But um, yeah, so I I was in Alien Archive two, and what was the other one I did? Oh oh, I did Com. I was oh, huge yeah. in Com. So so by the by the time Com came out, I was sort of like the established rules mechanic workhorse <laughs> at Paizo, yeah. uh, just because I had I pumped out so much content and. Owen reviewed so much of my content. He knew the kind of stuff I could do. Owen and I have a business partnership outside of Paizo. Uh, I am the publisher of Everybody Games. Owen is the publisher of Rogue Genius Games. And we have a, a joint partnership where my products get published under the Rogue Genius Games banner. I'm my own company, my own entity, but we it, it, help, it gives Owen like a vested interest in me doing well. It gives me access to Owen's like brand and the fact that like everybody knows who Owen Casey Stevens no is. kidding. <laughs> so 
Yeah, exactly. So um, because of that, you know, he's like, oh, I've, you know, I reviewed all of these products. Oh, and we also did the very first Starfinder third-party product, which was the Starfarer's Companion, if you've ever read I that. have it, yep. Um, yeah. So in that book, I updated a whole bunch of first edition Pathfinder stuff to Starfinder along with my uh, my fellow freelancer and good friend Matt Morris and Owen added a bunch of cool stuff too. And uh, so Owen had, a, by that point, had like lots of experience reviewing my Starfinder work. And he was like, I want to bring in people that have never been in the industry on character operations manual. But I know that bringing in new people means that they're going to need more development work. That's just the uh, truth. Yeah. Newer freelancers need more work. Even if they are amazing at designing rules and are masters of the pen, they're not going to know all of Paizo's like in-house formatting and like whatnot. So he's like, I need someone who can be my workhorse and do a huge chunk of work <laughs> so that I can have, I can train new people to be good. And so Paizo will have a better roster of freelancers for Starfinder. And so I looked at Owen on, uh, on whatever camera app we were using at the time. And I was like, I will be your workhorse, Owen Casey Stevens. Flood me with Starfinder. <laughs> yep. And at that point in time, I had made all of these products for everybody games. Uh, Armory had come out. Gosh, what I did something in Armory. I don't remember. Oh, I did all the personal items in Armory. That's right. Um, and uh, so I had all this experience doing this, this stuff. And But like a lot of the things I've told you between my core rulebook equipment and Calm, they're things like equipment. They're things like aliens. I didn't get to do player options because Starfinder didn't really put out a whole lot of player options in its first two yeah. years. Calm was the big one. Yeah. And I was like, mm, give me. Yeah, that was, yeah, me. That was so, a huge boon to the, like, it, not, not that the game was at all tired, but you inject three new classes it's like it's like a uh, yeah. an MMO that's like oh you know what here's an island that you've never played oh and you know what you get to play uh three different things I'm like it was a like people I mean I wasn't as involved in Discord back then when Com came out I was uh uh still getting still getting into the community of the the Starfinder stuff but but when that book came out it was like uh people were like this is what the game is supposed to be like I, I don't know I don't know what the uh what the the Paizo uh, per, perception of it was, but as a as a fan, as a person who was uh, trying to put on this little production here, it was like it was like an expansion came out and it just completely rejuvenated. Uh, I had a couple players that they were like, it was uh, Starfire Society every week, uh, and then just like pouring over the core uh, classes. Mm -hmm. But when Calm was announced and Calm was teased and it finally came out, it was. Uh, it was a, a spark, definitely. Well, I mean, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that um, the core rulebook always ships what's with what's needed at baseline of to course. play the game, yeah. right? Yeah. But the in a lot of ways, you're just kind of setting up what you're expected to have in a core rulebook. Mm -hmm. It's really that first big player's book that's the book that really sets the tone. Yeah. For like what this game is going to be and what you can do in it and so calm comes along and we were basically told like go crazy and we'll edit it so that it's balanced but we have all <laughs> of these ideas for things we want to see and we want 
you to come with your ideas on the things that you want to see and let's together make something that gives people an idea of what starfinder can actually like mm -hmm. be with support so one of the things uh i did a lot in this book uh i was in charge of so the the book had two spreads for every uh species yes. in the core world that book. was another thing uh, you yeah. know the core ones and yeah. then the legacy ones yeah and so for me, I did uh, Shirin and I did uh, Yosoki were my two that I did. And then uh, I didn't do any of the themes. Almost all the themes were done in-house or by new people because a theme is either really thematic, <laughs> go figure, and like the, the designers knew what they wanted already, or it's really easy. And so if you have someone new that you're not sure of that you want to train, a theme is a All good right. place to train them. So they were like, Alex, we you know we you know we know you put a bid on the street rat theme. <laughs> you're not getting it. We're giving you other stuff. And I was like, All right, <laughs> that's fine. And so instead, uh, I got every class spread in that book except for mechanic and solarian. So I got Ooh, five out of the yeah. seven of them. So pretty much anything that's come out for any of those classes that aren't the mechanic and the Solarian, those two spreads were done by uh, um, her pen name is Sasha Harving. Uh, that's not her her name that she oh. that uh, she that yeah, she yeah, goes by. Yeah, I know by. her. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I know. I follow. I not like follow follower, but uh, yeah, yeah. She's in a couple of the discords I'm in, and uh, she was the one that put me on mm -hmm. to the occult guy. Like. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at stuff. I'm wanting to expand stuff. And uh, then she sent me a couple links to some other uh, stuff she's done. And uh, I immediately bought them on drive through So, yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, uh, I, I do know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, not tangentially, I can't think of words. But, yeah, yeah, I know her. Uh, I, I'm definitely familiar with her work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so then there was those two and i did all the other i did pretty much everything else so like uh i'm the person who was like hey you know what like and this was something that i owen and i had lots of discussions about this when calm was in play testing i was like hey owen i know that you said you want biohacker to be a skills class it can't be a skills class if you don't give it that insight bonus, that scaling insight bonus like somewhere and he was like no no that's just intended for the operative to have an edge and i was like yeah but but you gave that bonus to the mechanic and the the envoy's expertise scales at roughly the same rate if you go by die averages like <laughs> that class that poor unfortunate yeah. biohacker they're not going to be seen as a skills class if you don't give them a scaling bonus to skills that is uh, that competes with the operatives and uh at the end of the day like owen isn't it, i don't want to say that owen didn't listen to me <laughs> because that's not true mm -hmm. Uh, Owen Owen took my feedback into consideration and then made the decision based on the feedback given to him by thousands of free of, uh, of play testers. Mm -hmm. So uh, that ended up happening. Um, and uh, but regardless of that, like I'm like some of the stuff that I did in that book that is kind of crazy by like nowish standards. Mm -hmm. um, I'm the one who did the soldier abilities to swap gear boosts for other things like oh, skill bonuses yeah. and additional yep. skills um i i wrote the operative stunt and strike mechanic which is supposed to be like hey do you want an operative that doesn't have studied mm -hmm. strike or are not studied strike oh, trick yep. attack here's a trick that you can do um i wrote epiphanies epiphanies were my number one thing that i wanted going into this book and i told owen i was like i need you to give me mystic <laughs> 
I need Mystic. I I I need the Mystic to have choices, and I know how to do it. And so he gave it to me. And uh, epiphanies are now a, a very important part of the Mystic playstyle. Uh, yes, um, I'm a I also... I'm a huge Mystic fan. I'm a huge Sheeran fan. So like everything you've done, like has has pleased me on a personal level. Just like all the all the variation mm-hmm. I can get. Uh, real quick, I do want to make one quick correction. Uh, Sasha's pronouns sure. are Nov. Yeah, well, um, I I don't know if Nov uses different pronouns when uh, Nov's going by Sasha. Oh, my bad. I know okay. that for... I, I actually don't know. Okay. Uh, I, I should probably ask uh, Nov sometime yeah, because yeah. I don't know if... I, I know that uh, their pen name that, uh, that, that Nov's traditionally used, mm-hmm. uh, uh, she, her, but... Okay. We'll just use Nov for the rest yeah. of it because I don't know, and I'd rather use the ones that I know that. Nov yes, performs. yeah. I, there was just a conversation um, in a Discord server that I have uh, that that I share, and uh, I was like, "Oh, I haven't, I hadn't heard that pronoun." So I just want to be sure, like, in the very off chance Nov listens to 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 me to this, uh, I want to be sure, like, you know, I'm constantly respectful. Nov's been a, a great uh, uh, ambassador to the system because I I typically don't go to people with my my uh rules questions because i i have players and i can bounce off them but uh but i i just threw it like hey i'm doing this and i was like oh you want this this and this and that, that was nov's uh uh drive-through stuff so yeah um mm-hmm. i'll ask mm-hmm. uh at i point. i don't i don't blame you like uh, you you had just mentioned how uh, i've done all of this like stuff for the game and like how influential i've been to your characters Mm -hmm. when i want to bounce a design idea or mechanics in starfinder off someone i usually bounce it off of nov yeah like so uh at least i trust nov's uh, design judgment enough that i'm going to throw my ideas in front of nov i think that nov's amazing (laughs) so go for it uh but yeah so that's 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 basically like com was sort of my big thing that i i had worked on and then the other major con- contribution I've done is I'm one of the three what we'll call Wave 1 freelancers on Starship Operations Manual. Mm-hmm. Um, that that book uh, is interesting because it went through a couple of different development cycles. There was a time where it was conceived as being a very different, much s- smaller written product. And uh, I was brought on along with uh, Vanessa Hoskins and uh, Hillary Moon Murphy to do, yeah, yeah also great people, uh, to do um, that. And so, like, uh, that book ended up going through a lot of development. Um, it passed hands from Owen Casey Stevens to John Compton. Uh, John turned it into its uh, modern form, and it's fantastic. Uh, and... For me, the thing that is like my favorite contribution, uh, nobody ever talks about it. I wrote the uh, the 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 Tims. They're a starship. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're like a star. Uh, Originally, when I sat down, I wanted to do it. I wanted to make a Tim for every feat and every selectable class feature. Uh And I sat down and I did one for every uh, envoy improvisation and every envoy uh, expertise talent. Mm -hmm. And it was over ten pages, and I had eight pages for the section so i was like well yes this isn't gonna get in this so uh i cut it back to just the feats from the core rule book mm-hmm. and i think calm but i really like it i think one of the places where starship combat runs into some difficulty is that um if you sit down and play starship combat it doesn't really feel like you're playing your character you're just kind of playing their skill yes. ranks 
uh, your choices don't really matter a whole lot. And I wanted Tim's to try to be a way to help like players who wanted to, their feet choices to matter to work. Uh, I'm also the person who wrote the squadron rules. Oh so my God, yes. the, if you, uh, if you, <laughs> if you want to play, and I, 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 it was my idea. It was I, in my original draft. I was like, uh, you know, and again, like I said, I submitted to Owen, it got passed to John. So when I submitted this to Owen, I said, Owen, I hope you know, I can't give you a squadron combat rule set without an option that lets all the squadron ships fly together and form Voltron. Like, I can't. <laughs> like, it's it's legally not allowed for me to not put Voltron into the yeah. book. And, like, at the time, Tech Revolution, which will be out in, like, a month or so mm-hmm. uh, from our recording date, uh, they that had just been announced. And so, like, I was like, I don't know if we can do this because, you know, there's no... Uh, there's no mech rules in the game yet. And you clearly are going to do it in tech if revolution. If you do it anywhere, mm-hmm. but I'm putting the form Voltron rules right here. Please don't stop me. <laughs> and that's important because anybody could stop me. Yeah. Like my work goes to the developers and then I don't see it until it's published. Yep. So anyone could have stopped me from putting Voltron in this book. But at the end of the day, they were like, no form Voltron. <laughs> and, and now you can form Voltron in Starfinder. Oh yeah. I, 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 I fucking, yeah, there's gonna be swears uh like i just i like I don't, I don't want this to turn into like i i appreciate the hell out of what starship combat was as a star trek fan it it scratches my itch so good i understand how some people could be turned off by it i but i try to champion i try instead of like you know like pointing out like yes yes this is bad you know this is difficult or you know i don't ever like to say bad but like spin it like you know you, you have to get into it you know like you don't watch star trek and they're just you know bored you know you have to animate and what uh squadron did was it brought uh uh star wars rogue squadron was one of my first uh, i say modern but uh <laughs> late 90s video games that i was good at so like you know that kind of shit when mm-hmm. like we're gonna have this right it wasn't there i'm like it's fine i'm keeping the faith i got a star trek bridge crew i'm good to go and then yeah, you're right. So looking at the Tims, uh, I've used them a fair bit. I haven't gotten to do much on the podcast with Space Combat because of uh, uh, the, the current group. We've done a couple tests of it to see you know if they're going to do it uh, in an entertaining way. Uh, the the previous group, I ran a test of Starship Combat, and uh, they didn't want to do anything but uh, one wanted to be a pilot, and everyone else just wanted to be on guns. And I'm like sitting there head in my hands like as a star trek guy like you, you don't want to scan enemy vessel for no okay uh so like we just never got around to that and then uh the pandemic happened and uh the, that group that was an in-person group and uh once that happened like i'm going online and people that want to do like i i approach people like there may be starship combat I, I don't need you to love it, but I need you to, <laughs> to to bear with me, you know? You know, um, I like the core of the combat. Yeah. You know, I do. I think that it's fine. Yeah. Uh, there are a couple places where I think Starship Combat runs into some uh, tricky points that make it a hard sell on players. Mm-hmm. And there are definitely places that I think that at some point they should be ironed out. Um, specifically, I think that... Uh, there's too much fidelity in building a starship. It takes way too long. Mm-hmm. 
like uh if you've ever sat down with a group of players a group of new players and shown them like literally i i run a home game i I run a home gig called teenage wasteland where i gave them a starship baseline and they were like well can we customize and upgrade it i was like well yeah you leveled up you can customize it and they were like all right how do we do that i was like well here's the book and so i had a player sit down read the rules cover to cover make a starship and then when he was done he told me he never wanted to touch starships again (laughs) after trying to build that starship yeah and uh it's it's a lot it's it's intimidating i think that and i think that it doesn't really need to have that much fidelity into it to be a good system mm-hmm. um i think that the you know you mentioned that your players are very drawn to gunnery and piloting i think that the in addition to those two roles being the most cinematic roles in things like firefly star wars star trek those two roles are also the ones with the most mechanical weight behind what they do in starship combat the piloting is the one who takes control of all the movement and makes the bulk of the checks in their phase they are the superstars of the piloting phase and the gunners are the ones that actively take down enemies but like the the captain's only role is to give a very small bonus to other people once per turn and the um the engineer will repair what can and uh and science officer both kind of do similar things and rebalancing shields or getting rid of glitches um i mean the scanning stuff is cool but like oftentimes a lot of the information you get from an initial scan isn't stuff that's super helpful to you it's like i know how many people are on that starship awesome that's how many gunners are going to shoot me now hooray and and so like i think that like the 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 weight of what each action does and what it contributes to a fight needs to be reassessed and honestly i think the best way to do that is at some point we need to be willing to sit down and say there needs to be a cap on how many actions the starship can take each turn that because like right now it's just as long as you have as many people you can take as many actions as you have people that can take roles on the starship essentially um and i think that balancing an actual action economy for the starship is kind of what it needs in order to make some of this work a little bit better so you can push more power into those options and then i think the last thing that it really needs is it needs a alternate progression system that doesn't take away from like your class, your actual character, but that lets you specialize in different roles. Um, the the D twenty engine is has always been a game about character building and customization and specialization, and I think that m- making it so that if you have two people in your party who have the same piloting ranks, you have uh, basically are equally effective as pilots is something that isn't great about the system. Uh, I would say that almost like how Pathfinder Second Edition gives class feats and skill feats at the same oh, time, yeah. you almost need like a character feat and like starship a starship feat. Yeah, yeah. feat. Yeah, and so I think that there are things that they can do, but like obviously these are all hindsight rules that either you would have to be a third party publisher like me to do something about, or you would have to wait for Paizo to do something about it in a new edition. Um, I don't like, I mean, in general, Paizo's not, re- and companies in general, I say Paizo, but companies in general aren't in the business of invalidating their of previous course. rule books. <laughs> like, you don't want to, you don't want to put out a book that's like, hey, you know, that whole big yeah. chapter in the, in the core rule book, that doesn't yeah. work you without spent this. You spent $50 on this book, $15 of it is no longer valid. Like, an MMO can just patch and like, you know, here's the changes with, with TTRPGs, yep. pen and paper games, like, it's, it, it. You know, uh, compendiums, uh, player compendiums, like you were talking about, could could do the trick. But like 
completely <laughs> retooling it. Like, people we're still selling core rule books, guys. You know, we can't uh, unprint that. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, <laughs> that genie's out of its bottle. And hey, that's why uh, race is still a thing in Starfinder, right? Yes. And that's why my Kickstarter project that we talked about almost twenty minutes ago. Excellent segue. <laughs> is, is I was I was looking for I was looking for a, a way to hop in and get back to uh, the yeah. So uh, perfect. I did yeah, it. Woo! Nailed it. I told you. I told you. I have experience <laughs> as a podcast. Host. Very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, all of your work uh, has has come to. Uh, has come to this moment where uh, tell me a little bit because I completely agree. Uh, and when Pathfinder 2E came out, the, when it switched to uh, Ancestors, I'm like oh hell yes! Like I always felt like a little yeah. like a little squick of like oh that's your race. I'm like ooh, mm, we're in sci-fi. Yeah, can we call species? And so yeah, so please tell me about. Uh, yeah, so I mean. Let's 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 be real about that particular thing too. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people who are like, "Oh, it's tradition." Yeah. You know, you call them race, and it's like, but that word actually actively hurts people, mm -hmm. and it's not accurate in a age of high science. Yes. Like, you know, race is an artificial construct <laughs> that is based e on equal measures of ethnic and customs. Mm -hmm. It's it has no bearing, uh, like. And you're talking about ancestry for uh, for Pathfinder Second Edition. I think ancestry is a fine word, yeah. and obviously, I think that they didn't go with species because species sounded too sci-fi to Precisely. them. Uh, ancestry sounds a little better, but like when I hear of ancestry, I think of like my parents and like my personal lineage. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I would consider like my ancestry as a person to be human. If you're talking about actual real words in the English language, I think species is the best word for what we're trying to convey. And the fact that it's appropriate for Starfinder and Starfinder doesn't use it is weird. Yeah. You know, having not having a race hurts, like having race as a mechanic hurts people. Uh, it, it's uncomfortable. It brings up a lot of not great stuff and it's not even the, the right word for what you're trying mm -hmm. to talk about. So um, last year I started a product line for everybody games called Starlog Deluxe and Starlog Deluxe is like my minis line. Essentially it's, you know, anywhere from two pages to like 20, depending on how big I want to go. Uh, and it was called Starlog Deluxe uh, Legacy Spe or Core Species Reforged. And the idea was that it took the core species in the Starfinder Core rulebook, uh, starting at, uh, you know, the, the ones in Chapter 2, I think it is, and just took them and rebuilt them from the ground up using a uh, species mechanic uh, that is designed to work and play a little bit like a combination of the race builder from Pathfinder First Edition, the alternate tra the alternate racial traits rules from Starfinder and the ancestry rules from Pathfinder Second Edition. The, the 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 species rules that are in this book that we are kickstarting they are not a carbon copy of anything that has come out since before them. But if you look at them, you'll see oh I can see where these ideas came from. So part of the idea is that when you you pick your species and that's like basically the type of creature you are. So let's say you sit down and you're like me or you and you like foxes. So you're going to pick Kitsune. Mm -hmm. It's one of the featured species in the book. There's six pages of Kitsune content you can oh, use yeah. to build your character. 
And so you start down, you sit with that. The first thing you get is there's a nice little paragraph that gives a very brief overview. This book is not flavor heavy and that's by design. I want anybody to be able to use this book in any setting. Uh, by default, it will the book will make references to uh, Everybody Games's Starfinder campaign setting, which is uh, Blood Space. And, uh, but you, like, it's not anywhere near so much that you absolutely need to follow what we say. It's just kind of like, hey, if you're into blood space, here's some stuff on how we use this, this content and like what it means in the, in the context of our world. Um, and a little bit I'd of say cross merchandising never killed anyone, right? Right. And it's <laughs> yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I just, I bought them <laughs> to write about uh, leading up to this. I have them. I need, I'm going to be buying. I saw, I was looking at your product line. I'm like, okay, I should probably get that because uh like I, I, I dig your work uh the art is awesome but uh so i'm looking at it now and so much six pages of each is is in, in, yeah. in lack of flavor so, the, so like that's gonna be uh i don't know if dense is the right word but like i love just con just i mean i'm a content glutton <laughs> but uh that's that's fair um the way that it's designed is that like every every single option that you pick starts with like a line of flavor that explains how it kind of fits in. So there's flavor in there, but it's not the focus by any means. This is this is like this is the opposite of a Lost Omens product in second edition. This is this they they are they are flavor with with sprinklings of crunch. This is crunched with a hint of flavor. Like, give me that yeah. crunch. And so the idea is that you start when you're making your character and you pick their species. Uh, your species will determine uh, your size. It'll determine your type, your subtypes, and how many starting hit points that you add in addition to, like, you know, your classes stuff, just like it is in the core game. One thing that's different about species in this book that you will that is completely removed, there are no ability adjustments for your species. And the book has rules for how to do ability scores without them. Essentially, you just get 12 points at first level instead of 10. And all everything else is the same. Uh, the idea is, is that in Starfinder, the math is so tight that that minus two penalty that so many species have can make a character class unplayable yes. for some from some races in the base game. I had a good friend who loves androids, made an android envoy for mm -hmm. Starfinder Society, mm -hmm. and did great playing her. But there was always like, hey, you are essentially four charisma down what you could be. And that kind of sucks to, to know. He, he is James is a trooper. James is awesome. If you ever watch No Direction Beyond, I'm talking about James Ballad, great friend of mine. My co-host on No Direction Beyond knows all about Starfinder, maybe is more OK with making those suboptimal uh, decisions than I am. <laughs> but like for me, I was like, no, that would that would make me feel bad that like there's an arbitrary reason why my character isn't as good as someone else in this thing. And what's worse is that as Starfinders come out, they've put out alternate ability adjustments for species. Oh, yeah. So like like so it's almost like it's arbitrary at this point. So I just got rid of it. Like, there's no reason to have it in my opinion uh and uh, since i'm writing this book my opinion means something <laughs> <laughs> um, so you get you 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 get all of those things and then uh the book actually goes out of its way to give you species traits like these are things that you have they are features of your physical body because of who you are you know what you have they, this this these are the rules for them and how it's balanced is that everything there's you get one thing that's valued at about the the, the power level of a feat and you get another thing that's valued at the power level of about half a feet. 
And then there's also two more things you get. You get a trait that tells you what you breathe. So like for Kitsune, mm -hmm. they get the air breathing universal creature rule. And they get a trait that tells them what their movement speed is. And so there's a trait that says Kitsune have a base speed of 30 feet. So for a Kitsune, if you pick that species, you're getting medium size. You're getting the uh, humanoid type with the shape changer and Kitsune subtypes. Uh, and you are getting uh, four hit points per, uh, for your uh, character because you don't get hit points anywhere else pretty much wow. in this game. And then you also get change shape, which is valued at about a feet. And you get low light vision, which is about half a feet in its power. And then that is what you get for your species until you move on to the next section. The next section is your heritage. And your heritage is something you have for your origins. And heritages tend to be deceptive in this book. Because if you're getting in what if you're in one of the six page featured species sections, you're getting a full page of them. It's usually about six to nine uh, choices. But then the book also has 30 universal heritages, which are heritages that are selectable by one or more species. Some universal heritages are things like Asmar or Tiefling or Designer Child that literally anybody can have. Others are things like Skitter Goblin, where it only makes sense for goblins and skittermanders. Yeah, Skitter, Skitter Goblin is in this book, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the posting um, that I, one. Yep, I, I recognize that. I recognize that. Um, yep. I do have just one. Uh, yep. uh, what are sure, Bloodscarred? I'm not familiar with that. Bloodscarred. So Bloodscarred is probably the only thing in that whole listing uh -huh. that is specific to our campaign setting, oh, okay. the Bloodspace campaign setting. Um, in the the Sha Osoro region of space, which is our fictional star mm -hmm. system uh, in the greater galaxy of Starfinder, uh, basically what happened is that you have two binary stars and then during the Nova age, which is not exactly like the gap, but it's comparable mm -hmm. to it. It's basically what the gap would have been for this region, but called something oh, different with slightly different God, effects. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the reason it's called the Nova age is because one of the two binary stars that the system is named for Osoro went, went, so to say it when supernova isn't correct <laughs> because it imploded and then what was left over exploded outward. Okay. So the the you basically have in this system you have a sun and a black hole that orbit each other. The black hole is only about a mile in size mm -hmm. because it still has the same mass it had as a, as a star. Gotcha. So it's this itty bitty little black hole, but the two of them orbit each other constantly. Oh, okay. And when Osoro collapsed into a black hole, a lot of its material exploded outwards. And for reasons that nobody really understands or knows, what exploded outward was this like stardust nebula that's blood red and is tainted with demonic corruption. And so as this nebula exploded out from the star, it washed over the star system and caused all sorts of terrible mutations and changes to all the um, all the different worlds and moons in the Shao Soro system. One of the side effects of that is that some people, if they are born to parents who have been exposed to blood space, they'll be what's called blood scarred where uh, blood, basically, like, if you, you had said you have our advanced mm -hmm. occult guide, if you read through that book, blood scarring is basically what happens to people who are exposed to the stuff that causes blood madness, one of the corruptions in ah. the book. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually one of the nastier corruptions in that yeah, book, I, too. I, I, to be but, honest with you, like, I, I skimmed the corruption, I'm like, oh, no, I couldn't do this to my players. Uh, but <laughs> you, no, no, you you gotta do it. You you owe it to yourself to do that to your players. Uh, the the book is very much designed that getting rid of corruptions is possible, but not 
fun. Um, there are cure methods for each of them yeah. that are listed, and there's a magic item that you can use that you can say, hey, players, just go hang out in this pod for a few days. There's a cost to it, both in money and your body, but you can get the Corruption Purge. I've, I've corrupted uh, Dustin Knight, uh, one of our No Direction staff members already. Hmm. He survived. He he was bedridden for about a month in game, but he survived. You know what? You've convinced me. <laughs> Uh, spoiler for Do any of my players Corrupt listening, uh, one of you is going to get corrupted next season. Ha ha ha. Do it. <laughs> you know, as long as one of them can carry the bodies home, you can corrupt more than oh, one. Oh, you know, Tally's pretty strong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like the way you think. All right. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, but yeah, so that, the, that's essentially what... that is awesome. Like all of that, uh, that's like it's it's so freeing like it's like mix and match i i love it and uh yeah let me, let me do a quick... And so like those are your heritages, right? In addition to those, you get to pick two talents at first level. And all so heritages, I forgot to mention, are about as powerful as a feat, just like those talents that you got from previously, and that are just like your traits that you got previously. And all of those talents that you're picking are also about as powerful as a feat. It's sort of... One of the things that kind of... I won't say drove me crazy, but one of the things that I think is tricky about Pathfinder Second Edition is that all the different feats have, and all the different abilities have different power levels. In Pathfinder Second Edition, heritages are much more powerful than your ancestry feats in terms of what they mm. do, and it means that if you give an ability as a heritage, you can feel like you're missing out if you don't pick it at first level. Right. Like I can never get that awesome cool power again. So the idea here is that there are a lot of heritages that just say you. You, your family is XYZ, you gain this mm -hmm. talent. And so some of the heritages will just give you a bonus talent. And so that way you can choose, oh, hey, uh, I have this talent because my origins, it's part of my family line, or I have this talent because I learned how to do it later. It's not part of my family, but it's something I wanted to do or that I acquired later. So they're balanced around the same power level so that they're easier to mix and match, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. You know, maybe uh, you could flavor it like they grew into it. Like, oh, you know, I now that I've hit a certain uh, mm -hmm. maturity you know, I unlock this gift, you know, and there's mm -hmm. so much you can do with that. So, uh, looking at it, uh, I'm not trying to rush or anything, but, uh, just looking at this here, you're, I'm looking at the art, you got all this, uh, 30 featured species, 15 additionals, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. 30 universal heritages, dozens of talents, alternate rules, and more. Uh, I see a lot of, uh, stretch goals, uh, uh, a fair few stretch goals kind of uh, detailed here. Uh, is there anything... Um, so you said you started this last year. So is it, has this been your pandemic baby? Um, no, the Advanced Occult Guide was my pandemic ah, baby. Okay. Uh, this is... Like that was that was like the first... That was the first child. This is the second nice. child. Like once the Advanced <laughs> Occult Guide skipped, I was like, all right, I think I want to do this because... This is the kind of project that, like, I could probably go and release a couple of species every, you know, quarter or so and be all right. But it's really hard to predict what people will want. And so, like, uh, I, I, I ran into this thing where, like, I did the core species and that was easy. Everybody wanted the core species. And then I did the legacy species. And, you know, everybody's a fan of elves and dwarves and dragons and, you know, all that mm -hmm. cool stuff. So th that was easy, too. 
And so then I did Blood Space Species, and I was like, all right, the Blood Space Species are mostly the greatest hits from the Starfarer's Companion. So that was easy because I knew people wanted that because the uh, advanced, uh, the Starfarer's Companion, when we did it, is was one of our highest selling products ever. Like I'm, I, I don't remember whether it's Electrum or Platinum on Drive Through RPG, but it's like pretty high up there. Uh, we we still get sales on that like three or four years later nice. now. And so I was, that was easy. And so then I was like, all right, what am I going to do next? Oh, I know people like Morla Ma, Kate Baker's <laughs> yeah, babies are super popular. Ma, yeah. And for Neri are popular yeah. people like Louise Loza's babies. And then I'll just put Kahlo in there. And so I put these aquatic species reforged, these three aquatic species that are shipped it, not popular. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. So to me, that doesn't necessarily mean that people don't want it. Yeah. I think that that means that, People are like, okay, well, there's not as much of a draw. And so a project like this is best served on Kickstarter where we can all kind of work together to get the things we want, right? Like, you know, Bob down the street might not want more Lamal, while Cassidy up the street might want them. But, and if they're in separate, and if they're like separate books that only Cassidy is going to buy it, that might not actually happen because it's just Cassidy. But if we put them in one book together, then both of them are buying that book for the thing that they want in it. And theoretically, that means the Kickstarter will have a better chance of succeeding. Does that make no, sense? No, that makes perfect sense. I was looking through the drive through RPG, looking for the uh, Brennery, Morlema, and Callow. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's called Starlogs. It's called Starlog Deluxe Aquatic Species Reforged. It would be the name of that book. Thanking you, because I am a... Uh... Not not to like any sort of like obsessed degree. Like Sheeran are my hands down favorite uh, species mm-hmm. out there. But like uh, the the introduction of the Morlama was one of the first uh, uh, Starfinder Society things uh, scenarios I ran, and the people uh, did not mm-hmm. see the twist coming. So uh, it was or not the, the reveal, not really a twist, but the reveal of what they were yeah. doing down there was so good like that kind of had a special uh, uh attachment to it the callow in that same mm-hmm. scenario the the tragic uh the tragedy of the manticore uh, uh minor spoiler for a session that hasn't been recorded yet but uh, i'm going to have a group of starfinders uh, aquatic race species rather see i'm guilty of it uh yeah. <laughs> wanting to form a second manticore uh in honor of the fallen ones so and then i like i don't it's rare that I've met someone who doesn't go anime eyes over the Brennery. Like people just love them. Some otter people. They're great. Oh, they're amazing. And you know, it's actually funny. One of the things I did for this Kickstarter uh, that you're going to get the scoop on, because uh, I think maybe a couple of my patrons know, and that's Mm -hmm. about it. But I recorded some interviews with some of the freelancers that I'm hiring to help me with this. One of them is Louise Loza. Louise Loza is going to be doing the expansion of the Brennery. If this funds. So, I have all of the stuff I wrote in in uh, the original product, which was the Aquatic Races Reforged that mm-hmm. I mentioned. But Louise is going to be adding about 3,000 additional what? words, which is four pages of new stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so if awesome. you want to see Louise write more about his favorite otter people, uh, also in that, uh, that, that very short, it's like five or six mm-hmm. minutes, nothing like this one that we're doing. Yeah. But uh, in that short little interview, uh, Louise discloses the secret origins of where the Brunieri species name comes from. 
if you ever wanted to I have to any time, because I'm not a, an etymologist, I, I don't have uh, any college learning outside of what I see on TV and movies, but like I look at things and I'm like, okay, I can kind of see where uh, uh, inspiration for the name may have came from. Moral and Mom, Brennery are two of them that were not. Uh, but Brennery, I'm like, what the hell are you? I did a thing last uh, season of our podcast where they run into an alien anthill and I didn't want to just use Formians because uh, I love my players, but mm-hmm. some of them have a little too much knowledge in their brains. So I wanted to change up the Formians. So I made Aculians. Uh, Formians is uh, a part of the ant taxonomy. I went a little higher up in the uh, taxonomical classification. So they were uh, a displaced uh, kind of progenitor to what the Formians are, but they're just kind of like, you know, Kingdom Phylum class. This is this is boring for everyone, including me. Mm-hmm. But like, I just went a little higher up, and like, you know, these people are displaced. They were hiding from the swarm, and maybe they have uh, connections to the Formians. But like, so I know where like etymology comes into play when naming some species. Brennery, I'm I'm going to be listening to that as soon as we get off of here because I'm excited to hear. I that. I will tell you, it has nothing to do with scientific. Oh no, I know, and because is- I looked up. <laughs> I looked up the, the, the Latin taxonomy <laughs> of otters. I'm like, I don't see it anywhere, guys. I, I can't. The, the answer is very wholesome, but it's also an answer that probably no one would have expected. It's really good. Oh, it's um, I, yeah. And so um, I have, uh, the, there's a, there's a, uh, an interview with Louise that's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, Owen Casey Stevens recorded, it's not really an interview. I'd call it an endorsement is probably the best way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's a lovely endorsement. Uh, and then uh, I have an interview with Dustin Knight and I have one with uh, Joshua Hennington. I have one with uh, uh, Tinika Bowman, oh, uh, amazing fan. author. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I'm still trying to, to schedule it. But the last one that I, I'm, I'm hoping that we'll be able to do because he wants to do it and I want to do it, but it's kind of more like our schedules are just clashing yeah. is uh, Quinn Murphy. Oh yeah. And uh, fingers crossed yeah, yeah. Uh, that I'm, I'm going to be able to get yeah, that. I'm one. familiar with but all those I, names. I see them all the time. I do uh, when I'm not doing this, I, uh, I play GM and edit uh, star rollers with Allison side. And, mm-hmm. uh, Tinek, Tinek, oh. uh, Tinek. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I'm looking at him like my brain just kind of flatlined for a moment. Uh, she's going to be uh, GMing uh, 114, one of the quests that she wrote for that. I think it's 114. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, we're going to get the actual authors to GM their scenarios for for our little podcast. And I just, I, I love the community. I love how everyone's like. We're just trying to put out content, but also like make as much time to have fun within uh, the community mm-hmm. as well. So I, I'm looking forward to all of those. Listen, here's the dirty little secret, and maybe this will help your imposter syndrome. Yeah. But like real talk, all of us are attention starved. So like if you go and you ask any freelancer if they want to do something, you have a reasonable chance that yeah. they'll say yes, like that they'll be interested in being on a podcast. So uh, go for it. You should just ask all of them. Be like, yo, Tinika, come and talk with me for an hour and 30 minutes or <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, I have a bit of a back. And Tinika. Go ahead. Yeah, Tinika will be like, 
schedule it in time so that I'm awake because I live in the Netherlands and uh, yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, uh, Good stuff. yeah, part of her yeah, part of her scheduling has been like uh scheduling's weird cuz uh, Allison is in the UK or Scotland. Mm. No, UK. Uh, she's from Scotland. Yes. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah. So scheduling across the world with these pod- these these games is uh, difficult. So yeah, I will definitely start hitting up more people. I've got a fair bit of backlog, but I will say I'm going to. Uh, there's going to be almost no editing to this one. I'm just going to throw in quick intro, outro music, and get this up as soon as possible, so I can help get the word out. We're not a big podcast. We're just a fun homebrew adventure uh but like you know what what following i have i want and need people to see that there's a better way to play that there's a there's a better alternative uh and just this the sheer uh being spoiled for choice of all the various talents and uh, customizations you can do i'm excited to see this come out and have my players i'll so let me let me ask a kind of a mechanic standpoint like say i approach my players I'm like hey here's this book I paid money for it. Not that I would use that as a bargaining chip, but like, I'm going to buy it anyway. I paid yeah. money for it. Uh, like say I have a group and some of them are keen on it and some of them aren't. Is there going to be like, and I'm not too, too worried about balance. I'll just add HP if it's unbalanced uh, to an encounter. But like, <laughs> is there, so as a mechanics guy, uh, is there going to be any uh, discrepancy between PCs that choose to go this route versus those that remain for whatever reason. The answer to that question is yes, there will be some, there will be some discrepancies. Mm -hmm. However, uh, if you see any major discrepancies, you'll probably notice them more at low level and they will kind of fade out as you get higher. Now, that being said, uh, I am sure that there are purists who are going to want to play the rules as they are published by yes, Paizo. Uh, I have not met any of them. Good. I actually uh, play tested this rule set. I run a homebrew uh, Starfinder game for, with um, with uh, aforementioned Dustin Knight and a bunch of my mm-hmm. friends from uh, gaming uh, called Teenage Wasteland. So we got a lot. I And basically I started out and uh, at the beginning of that game, uh, you know, the alien character deck hadn't come out yet. Yeah, yeah. And even if it had, they hadn't announced that Kitsune were one of the races uh-huh. in it. But I had two players who wanted to play Kitsune. <laughs> so I was like, all right, you're using these rules. And so I gave them the rules from Starlog, Starlog Deluxe, um, Leg- or Blood Space Species mm-hmm. Reforged. And so I like hear the rules, you know, you, you know, we're low level. So you just get those two traits. It's basically indistinguishable at that low level. And there's an alternate rule set in the book that'll be like, Hey, you can give your players bonus traits as they level up. If you want to give them more, I'm currently using that. And uh, at the point where we hit level five, I let all of the people who were not using, first of all, none of them realized that my two Kitsune players were using a completely different Mm -hmm. rule set than them. None of them were like, oh, they're more powerful. I just didn't tell them. (laughs) They didn't know. (laughs) And um, they're like, oh, cool. Uh, And uh, then when they all leveled up to level five, I was like, we're going to use the free trait rules. And as part of that, all of you can retrain your character class into the the new rules. And so all of them were able to perfectly translate their original Mm -hmm. characters from the baseline species to the new rules with no hiccups the rules are designed so that you can go through and you can just find the abilities that your species normally gets for the most part and just slap them on there are some 
there are some exceptions like a lot of the uh a lot of the racial traits in starfinder that just give flat plus twos uh race bonuses to stuff uh in starfire species reforged most of them will give you that skill as a class skill first and if it's already a class skill then it gives you the plus two yep. species bonus um and that ends up working out to being a net bonus for those players, right? Because if you are a player who does not have that skill as a class skill, then getting a plus two uh, from your trait is not as good as getting a plus three from having it as a class skill all of a sudden. That's a benefit yeah. to you. And then you get an extra plus one. And then if you are a player who took a class that already has that class skill, then you get the normal plus two. The math doesn't change. It's just a little way to boost up the floor from people who don't have class skills. Uh, and then uh, there are a couple species that got a little bit better. Um, the one that comes to mind is that uh, humans don't have skill bonus skill or have bonus skill points as a baseline ability. Actually, uh, humans in general are. It, they're going to look more powerful, but it's because the rest of the species were kind of brought up to be more equivalent to humans. Uh, okay. Because you have all these traits and all these choices, uh, the bonus feat isn't as strong in Starfarer Species Reforged. Like, so humans still get a bonus feat, but it doesn't need to be like their entire racial trait bonus allocation like it is in Starfinder, where they only get the bonus feat and the skill points and nothing else. Because everybody else has so much choice, one of the things that I got in feedback and you know playtesting was that humans felt kind of weak if they didn't actually have like another ability. Mm -hmm. So humans have this ability that's based off of real-world biology called Pursuer. And what Pursuer does is that it uh, goes along the idea that of all the species in Starfinders, humans evolved as pursuit predators. And so they can they get bonuses to uh, constitution checks to make forced mar oh. marches, to run past when they're supposed to. And it's a very small yeah. bonus. Like, it's about as good as low light vision. <laughs> but you have this extra idea that, like, the human benefit isn't just that you're flexible and you get this bonus feat because like you're, they're just so varied. You're also just really good at not stopping. <laughs> like you're really, and like all the other, so all the other species in the game, like by the point where uh, like a Kitsune, a dwarf, an elf, by the time they're tired from their marching, a human might be able to still yeah. be going, but if their bonuses are good enough, you like, uh, and it's it's just a little bit of extra flavor that helps make humans feel a little bit more exceptional without giving them tons of power. And if you want those bonus skill points, you can still take them. Uh, one of the reasons why it's a it's a talent now instead of being a trait or like a thing that they all get is so other species give bonus skill points too. Uh, humans just have the most flexible version of it where they can put it them anywhere. Other species are like, you have to use them in these specific skills. And that's fine. Gotcha. I may actually make a human for the first time in my Starfinder experience. Yeah. You, <laughs> you can do it. Be, be the token human. Yeah. There's no reason not to anymore. Right. Um, it, it, the thing is, is like I said, you it doesn't really feel all that more powerful to be a human and human has some really good options. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Um, I have two human players in teenage wasteland, my homebrew game. Mm -hmm. And one of them has an option called uh, coordinated cooperation is what it's called. And basically if you use the, uh, if you use eight another or a similar action to give a bonus to somebody, then the bonus is better if you have that talent and you can take it multiple times. It's like a, increases the bonus by one every time you take it up to two. And that's been really helpful to that player because that player tends to roll like garbage on attack rolls. So they just try to aid and parry. <laughs> so um, yeah, like the, 
I, I I don't think I can't say there's a single species that I personally feel is left out. All of them have a lot of love and attention course, put into yeah. them. But if you made me pick a species that I think got the most out of this book so far, and I say so far because not all of it is written yet, obviously, that answer is Dragonkin. Oh yeah, uh, Dragonkin got a complete rewrite from how they appeared in uh, Starlog Deluxe. Um, Core, uh, leg legacy species reforged like in that book they only had two pages not a lot of room to do stuff with them in this book uh fans who have been my who have been a, a customer of mine for a very long time like literally since the beginning we'll see that like dragonkin kind of low-key got the uh dragon sept rules from my one of my very first products called uh dragon companion handbook which that it was a pathfinder first edition book that was designed to let you take dragons basically as animal companions it gave you rules for just playing a regular old dragon like it was it was very popular back in its heyday yeah. and the dragonkin in this in the starfire species reforged uh in addition to the standard traits one of their traits is called dragon sept where you get to pick what basically what clan of dragon that you are from and so if you want to be an adamantine dragonkin you could be an adamantine dragonkin and you get a list of abilities that are inspired by the dragonkin dragon graft from alien archive 4 uh there are dra there are sets that coordinate that correlate to uh every metallic graph every chromatic graph every outer graft and every star metal, star metal nice. graft so uh, some of them are very good. Uh, if you don't like magic, you should probably go no quill dragonkin. Oh, uh, you yeah. you are very good. At, you are very good at resisting magic. <laughs> and so, uh, another species that has a very similarly complex build, because like you know, for the most part, they're very simple, like what I described for the kitsune. Mm -hmm. But uh, uplifted animal and uh, dragonkin are the two most complex so far, where they have an additional mechanic that you pick from uh, that's part of their their budget. Uh, the uplifted animal, think uplifted bear, but it's designed that you could uplift any animal you can imagine. You literally just sit down. You get to pick how big your uplifted animal is. You get to pick what type of creature it is. Different talents are more appropriate for predators or prey animals. Like you, you could do basically whatever you want. If you want to be a lumbering elephant dragon person who's huge you can do that with the rule set if you want to be a diminutive mouse person who is no taller than the rest of the party's like Raxalite. shin bone <laughs> yeah yeah you can do that too if you want to be puss in boots you can be puss in boots <laughs> the <laughs> and the heritage is for that one I, I think i'm the most proud of them more than anything else because the heritages are designed not really to explain your family, but how you were uplifted. So you have like cybernetically enhanced oh, as one of the choices, nice. which is basically your rocket raccoon. Of course, Someone yeah. took you apart and put you back together. Yeah. Like um, one of them is accursed. You are literally the beast in Beauty and the Beast. You are uplifted because someone turned you into an animal. Yep. Uh, there's one where someone took your brain out of your body and implanted it into an animal. Oh. Brain. Like, one of one of them is uh you were blessed by a kami and uh you as a as a who that let you live longer and you live for a hundred years and in line with Japanese mythology you gained sapience because you lived so long. Like there are there are literally like so many just all of them explain how you were uplifted and it's great. And maybe the answer is your parents were uplifted, and this is one of the, the flavor sections I mentioned for this this part mm -hmm. of the book. Um, one of the flavor sections describes 
the difference between uh, evolution versus basically being engineered as an uplifted animal and uh, how like uplifted animals tend to look different. And depending on how you were uplifted, your kids might not necessarily be uplifted with you and might need to undergo like actual surgery to be sapient. Like an uplifted bear who had their body retaken apart and put back together, if it was just by like mechanical means, like they're not going to produce a viable offspring, you know, to have a child without like actual like therapy. And, but that doesn't apply to all of them. If you if you were biologically augmented, like genetically re-engineered, you know, you your kids might be fine. And there's just a whole bunch of just compared to some of the the other stuff. Like all of them have flavor, all of them have story, but the amount of Mm, of of just inspiration <laughs> that is in that animal, animal section is so good and uh people I'm no 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 you're good i just know we're getting close <laughs> to your uh, kind of cut off time so i'll start to wrap this up uh thank you alex again for joining us uh everyone check out the starfare oh, starfare species reforged on kickstarter i'll be linking it i'm gonna be a little annoying this month about it because uh this is a very important uh added flavor to it I'm very excited to offer this to my players. I do know two of them use Hero Labs online, so I my my little hesitation about balance. Uh, I can kind of see the Hero Labs users may be a little like it's not in our app because they uh, also don't choose uh, they don't choose certain equipment and uh, spells. My Mystic chooses not to uh, use uh, a Archives of Nethys or the Hidden Truth to expand their spell choice. So I just I just you know I'm anticipating a little bit of pushback on this but uh everyone else I'm, I'm excited to see what options they can cook up but um yeah uh kickstarter uh it'll be on all the social medias for this month it ends uh june 30th uh so yes uh, at at the stroke of 12 on uh on july 1st it will be over though the minute it turns over boom it, they are Disappear. uh just full disclosure at time of recording on the day one is at 3,443 out of the $5,000 goal. I'm definitely going to be back in this bad boy as soon as I deal with my rent. <laughs> and uh, I definitely want to see some That's of okay. those stretch don't, goals. Don't go home no, no, of course not. But no, I definitely want to support <laughs> this because this is going to be dope. So uh, where can we find you on social media? Sure, I'll be happy to tell you. Uh, I have two Twitter accounts. One of them is for uh, Everybody Games. That's at EB Games LLC. A very important LLC. I am not Electronics Boutique. Uh, I had someone <laughs> message me yelling at me about uh, some Canadian purchase. I'm like, that ain't me. <laughs> the uh, the other one is you can find me on Twitter uh, at A-L-J-A-U-G. It's Al J Aug. Mm -hmm. Um, which is my personal Twitter handle. Both of those work fine for me. Okay. You can also find me on uh, nodirectionpodcast.com where I do a, a bi-weekly blog called Guidance. Uh, I often give Starfinder tips on that. And you can also see my podcast on nodirectionpodcast.com and we stream it on Twitch on once a month on Wednesdays when we record. Uh, last, I have a Facebook for Everybody Games. Um, I think it's... Uh, gaming for everybody let me actually look it up because I, i'm not gonna lie i just clicked the hyper i have everybody games <laughs> llc as a gamer that sounds pretty close yeah, to being right TTRPG, it is, uh, everybody games on facebook yeah if that's you're it. still on facebook that's, <laughs> yeah if you're still on facebook you can do that 
Um, but those are the big ways to get me. And like, hey, if you're on Discord, I'm hanging out in the Hex Grade Heroes now. You can just at Alex Sagunis or at the Everyman Gamer. Both of those will get yeah, me. Yeah, cool. Um, uh, uh, you can chat with me here. That's fine. I don't plan on popping out. And those are the big places, I think, that if you want. Um, one last thing. If you aren't sure if this sounds like it's for you, uh, don't worry. I wouldn't make you buy my book on uh, good my word alone. Mm-hmm. You can actually go to the Kickstarter page, and one of the images talks about a preview. And if you click the link on that preview, it'll take you to Drive Through RPG. There is a pay what you want file oh. that will give you a preview of three of three species content plus some talents. Uh, you'll get all six pages of the Kitsune, uh, which is literally everything that I have done for it, putting up all nice with art assets and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, you'll also get one additional species. The difference between featured and additional is that featured have six pages, additional have mm-hmm. two. Uh, the additional species in the book is brand new. I've never published it before. It's the grays so if you want to play a gray (laughs) you could do it um there are two universal heritages in the book to check out there's the asmar and there's the reborn and the reborn heritage is essentially you reincarnated uh there are two lineages that you can pick from as a reborn you could be a samsaran or you can be a duskwalker and then there are some talents you can pick that go with your choice of being a reborn uh, finally, there are two pages of uh, universal traits, and most of the traits that are in that section go with different things that are offered by the Gray and the Kitsune and the uh, uh, the universal heritages. So, like, they're all things that kind of fit. the The book itself works. It doesn't have the alternate ability score rules, but if you just use the rules, like I mentioned, where you basically have twelve starting points instead of uh, ten, but don't have ability adjustments. Mm-hmm. That's basically the core of it. Uh, but yeah, you can check it out, see if you like it. Uh, if you like it, you can you toss some money on drive through RPG. It's completely optional. That's why it's pay what you want. Uh, but then that might help you decide whether or not you want to back us on Kickstarter. Excellent. Awesome. Uh, so uh, until next time, thanks for hanging out. No problem. <laughs>